Good morning, Grace. Today's passage comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, and then 17 through 20. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, 17 through 20. If you would like to use a pew Bible, it is on page 986. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, 17 through 20. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity, or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And moving to verse 17. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face, Because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. This is the word of God. Today we're going to wrap up our... January series called Growing in Grace. Next week we'll be back in Exodus. We've been talking about how we grow spiritually from the empowering grace of God. We've been looking at our our mission. We've been showing this picture every week. The gospel is at the center. Here at Grace Baptist Church, we'll often use that language. We are a gospel-centered church. What does that mean? It means that 
The gospel is the power source for all we say and do. The gospel is not just for the unsaved. It's not just for the newly saved. It's, the gospel is God's kindergarten all the way up through Ph.D. We never exit our need for the gospel. Amen? See up there in the top left, our, our new church logo. If you love the new church logo, make sure you let Daniel know. If you hate it, be quiet. Okay? okay? Just wanted to get that out of the way. <laughs> we don't want to hear it. <laughs> the gospel empowers our worship, our community, our disciple-making, and this morning, our service. You know, here's the thing about the gospel. Here's the, here's the two-sided coin of the gospel. The gospel says that we don't have to do anything. Jesus has done it. It is finished. And yet, at the same time, the gospel says we can do everything. We don't have to do anything, but we can do everything, and we will do everything, either in this life or the next. So when we ta start talking about these things like worship and getting into community and making disciples and service, our salvation is not hinging on what we do, for it is by grace you have been saved. Sola fide, through faith, not, not of yourself, it's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Jesus has done it all. But what's the next verse? For we are His workmanship, His masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So from grace and faith comes our works. So why don't we serve? Well, here's the, here's the answer. Because it's hard. And because we don't know what we're doing. I will stand up here this morning and confess to you that I have no idea what I'm doing most of the time. I have no idea how to parent adult children. No idea. Should I say more? Should I say less? No idea. <clears throat> I, I have no idea how to pastor a diverse church in the political climate in which we're living. I have no idea how to do that. I'm the pastor of discipleship, and I have no idea how to build the small group ministry at this church. I've been trying for 15 years. No idea. Somebody came to me the other day, Brady, what should I, how, how should I do this thing with my small group? I just looked at him and said, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's the best answer. Let's try this. Let's. It's hard. We don't know what we're doing, do we? And on top of that, this is, this is serious. The stakes are high. This is life and death, isn't it? And so for many of us, we just, we just say, okay, we'll let somebody else do that. I don't know how. I don't want to be exposed. If I, if I try to do something that I don't know what I'm doing, I will be exposed as a fraud. Everybody will see that I actually don't know how to live this Christian life. 
And so many of us are on the sidelines, aren't we? And that's why our service has to flow from the gospel, doesn't it? It has to flow from grace. It has to flow from a knowledge that says, this battle's already won. This game has already been played and won. Jesus has already accomplished it all. Nothing can destroy his church. Do we believe that? You see, th- this, is, this is how it works. This is how the Christian life works. God comes to us with his grace. We believe it by faith. We receive grace by faith, and then that faith motivates our service, doesn't it? And then as we're serving, guess what happens? We need even more grace. <laughs> Not just the grace to get me into heaven, but the grace to figure out how do you... How do you Pastor a church? How do you parent adult kids? How do, you, how do you go to a hospital visit and not say something stupid? How do, you, how do you not put your foot in your mouth? How do you navigate all the relational trials and tribulations that are going on around you? How do you, how do you figure out what, to, what, to, uh, how the, what the response should be in all the things that are happening in the world around us? And so we need grace, don't we? And the more I serve, the more I need grace. The deeper into it I go, the deeper into God's grace I must also go. Here's our sermon today, growing in grace through service. Yes, grace empowers my service but serving will also send me back to grace. That's what I want to propose to you this morning, that serving will also send you back to grace. We're going to look at five things from this text, how serving causes us to grow in grace. It causes us to grow in grace in the, in the grace of bold gospel witness. It causes us to grow in the grace of pleasing God. It causes us to grow in the grace of Christ's gentleness. It causes us to grow in the grace of encouragement. And then finally, it causes us to grow in the grace of our love for one another. Here we go. Number one, number one, serving causes us to grow in the grace of bold gospel witness. Verse two, verse two. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had what? We had what? Boldness. Thank you. One person in here is bold. Come on, y'all. We had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. Paul's mission was to spread the gospel of God. He served based on that mission. Everything he did was about being able to share the gospel. It's in verse 8, it's in verse 9, it's in verse 12, it's in verse 13, over and over again. It's back in chapter 1, it'll be in the other chapters. All throughout this book, all throughout this letter, Paul has said, it is my mission, my desire was to share the gospel. And he shared, he and Silas 
that's the we, they shared it boldly. And they didn't share it boldly because it was easy. And they didn't share it boldly because they were in a comfortable position. They shared it boldly in the midst of much conflict. Anybody can stand up. I can stand up here and preach a bold sermon because I know y'all love me. I didn't get any amens. I might have to rethink this. But it's hard to boldly declare the gospel in a place where there's much conflict. And that's what Thessalonica was. If you go back to the book of Acts, there's so much conflict. There's literally a riot. They're dragging the Christians out, putting them on trial to the point where the Christians are like, Paul and Silas, you got to get out of here. They encouraged them to escape in the night to get out of the city. Much conflict, but much boldness. Why? How? How is that grace? Because it's the gospel of God. It's not the gospel of Brady. It's, the, it's, it's, the God, it's God's message. It's God's truth. It's, it's God's power. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. So Paul and Silas, they risked, they risked everything. They didn't hesitate. They, they were, I'm not going to say they were fearless. They were probably terrified. But the, but the grace of God, because they knew whose message it was, they were able to be bold. I'm not talking about being loud. Boldness is not loud. Boldness is not obnoxious. Boldness is not argumentative. For them, boldness was they built relationships in this city. And we're going to get to that in a minute. But they built relationships. They took the risk of building relationships in that community so that then they could share faith. Not only the gospel of God, but their own lives. They shared their lives. They shared the gospel. They took the risk of building relationships. Let me ask you, can you share the gospel? Do you know how to share the gospel? I'm not asking, can you exegete Leviticus? I'm not asking you that. I'm not asking you, can you <clears throat> preach a sermon from Obadiah? I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you, can you share the simple gospel? I hope you can. I pray you can. The simple gospel. God, in His infinite love and glory, created us to live with us. But we sinned, we rebelled, and we fell short of the glory of God. And then God, in His infinite love and glory, sent His Son Jesus, who is also God, to us. He lived for us. He died for us. He satisfied God's holy and just requirements and he satisfied the punishment for sin, which is death. And now Jesus offers us to receive <clears throat> his life by faith. And when we do, we are joined together with Christ, and we will live forever with God. Can you share that? Do you believe that? 
If you're here this morning and you've never heard that, you know, one-minute gospel presentation, I pray it'll, it'll rip your heart open, that you will see in it a God who not only rules you, but loves you dearly and wants to live with you and have a relationship with you. Will you repent and believe? Will you say, yes, Jesus, I want that. I want you to be. I want you to be my score. I want you to be the one that God looks at instead of me. I want you to be my life. I want to join my life to yours through faith. Will you say that this morning? I pray that you will. Number two, serving causes us to grow in the grace of pleasing God. Look at verse four, the grace of pleasing God. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God. But to please God, who tests our hearts, for we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness, nor did we seek glory from people whether from you or from others. See, when you serve, when the, the more you serve, the more you have to stop and ask the question, why am I doing this? Why did I say yes to that? Why did I click that link on the website and sign up to do that? What was I thinking? Okay because there was a need. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Good reason. It's not a bad reason. Well, because I like it. I, I like serving in that way. Praise God. Hallelujah. My prayer, seriously, in all seriousness, my prayer is that everybody in here can find a place to serve that you enjoy. That, that it's not, you know, oh, I'm dying here. No, that's not what we want. But ultimately, do you serve because it pleases God? Does, is that where your heart goes? Is that where your mind goes? In Hebrews chapter 11, it says, without faith, you cannot please God. Do you remember that? So let's go back, let's go back to our diagram. Our service must flow from that faith. Do you see it? Grace becomes faith, faith becomes serving. We must serve from faith. Does your service require faith in God? Or is it just, I'm, I'm trying to challenge you. I'm trying to lovingly, gently challenge you. The, the, the ministry you do, especially in church, but wherever in your life, is it from faith? Or is it just from rote? Is it just from memory? Is it just showing up? I just, I just show up. I could do this with my eyes closed. Is there any faith behind it? Because, it, correct me if I'm wrong, it is possible to serve, you know, quote unquote, serve God without any faith, isn't it? That is possible, isn't it? And that's not what God wants. God wants us to serve from faith. 
Faith in what? Faith in His grace. Notice, notice the language, the grace language that Paul uses. He says that we have been entrusted by God with the gospel. That's grace. <laughs> That's the grace of God. You don't deserve that. You're Jonah, man. You're Jonah. You're, every, every, you're always trying to jump on a boat and get out of it. <laughs> and yet God's like, no, I'm sending you. Not because Jonah's the best prophet that ever lived, but because God is gracious and He's going to change lives. He's going to change you. He's going to change the people you serve. And He's going to change you. He's going to entrust you with His gospel. Notice it says that God approves us. Verse 4, just as we have been approved by God. Do you, Christian, are you aware that you have God's stamp of approval? for sharing the gospel. <laughs> you ever buy new clothes and in the pocket there's that little like inspected by number 12? <laughs> like this, this is good to go. Okay, in your pocket, inspected by God, you're good to go. You're good to go. You are approved. God knows that in your heart there is faith, there is grace, that He is in there, that the Spirit is in there. Here's the warning. When we set out to serve God or please God apart from the gospel of grace, it will become self-righteousness, it will become works-driven, and it will become discouraging and burnout. But if we start from, God approves of me. <laughs> hmm. God approves of me. God has entrusted me, called me, approved me, sent me, empowered me, changed me, indwells me, loves me, is with me, guides me, and predestined me to good works. Do you believe that? You say, but Brady, my heart's not always in it. What do I do if my heart's not in it? I shouldn't serve, right? Like, if I can't do it from a pure heart, you don't, you don't want a bunch of hypocrites serving, do you, Brady? You know what my answer is? Yes. <laughs> yes. Because you're never, ever going to have a completely pure heart. And we're going to claim 1 John 3, where, where John says, when, when John says that when our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. Can God use a servant whose heart isn't 100% pure, whose, whose, whose attitude isn't 100% in it? Yes, He can. Yes, He can. And guess what happens? When you get in, like, like we said, when you get in there and start serving, you start to realize, okay, I can't do this without grace. Maybe it's the literal thing that you're being asked to do, or maybe you just realize your attitude is kind, of, is kind of bad, and you're like, okay, I need grace, I need grace. And so what's God doing? He's changing you. He's changing you, isn't He? Number three, serving causes us to grow in the grace of Christ's gentleness. Causes us to grow in the grace of Christ's gentleness. Verse 7, but we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. 
So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. How many of you know that Jesus is your gentle and lowly Savior? That He is accepting, that He is understanding. He's not arguing. He puts up with us. He's not demanding. He's humble. He's constantly putting others first, including you. In James chapter 3, James calls gentleness wisdom from above. You ever watch these cooking shows on TV? Cooking competitions? Like Chopped? You ever seen any of those? I think some of us think that Christian service is like a cooking show, a cooking competition, where God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are sitting behind a table, and they say, you got 30 minutes to make the most obscure thing ever, and you only got 10 ingredients. And you're rushing, and you're putting it together, and, you, and then all of us Christians show up to church on Sunday, and we all put it out, and chopped, chopped, chopped. Okay, not bad. You can advance. I think sometimes we think that's what the Christian life is. But that's not what the Christian life is, guys. The Christian life is more like a cooking class. You know, you, you, you go and you take a French cooking class. And there's some French guy there, and he's gonna, he says, let's make parfait. And you look, and he, and he puts it up, and he says, parfait, here's the ingredients, and we're going to add this, we're going to add the, 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 we're going to add the milk and the cream and the egg, and we're going to whip it, and if you, and it's got to be just right if you get it off by a little bit, but, and you're like, what? And we're going to, and, and you're thinking, I can't, I can't make French parfait, but then you start making it, and what does the teacher do? He comes up and he says, okay, keep, keep whipping. You're doing good. Keep going. Keep going. Oh, that's perfect. Now fold. Fold? What's fold mean? I don't even know what that means. Just say pour. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Okay. All right. Now layers. Let's do your… Oh, those look great. That's your gentle Savior. That's what Jesus is doing with you when you serve. You're doing it. You're doing it. Okay. Oh, wait. Let me try. Let me, let me take it from you. Let me show you. Okay. Now you try. Okay. That's Jesus, isn't it? See, the Christian life isn't performing for Jesus. It's participating with Jesus. It's participation, not performance. When you show up and do those third graders on Sunday morning, or, or you lead those kids in Awana tonight, or you turn, or when you're leading your small group, or you're, you're fixing something in toolbox ministry, or you're making a meal and dropping it off at somebody's house, you are not performing for the Lord Jesus, but you are participating with Him. He made the meal. 
He huddled up the kids. He shared his heart through your heart. He knelt down and changed a diaper or tied a shoe or wiped a nose. Paul says we were like a nursing mother. We were like a nursing mother. And then in verse 8, we shared our own lives. What a vivid illustration, isn't it? Especially coming from a man, for a, man, for a man's man, Paul, to say, I was like a, a nursing… There's nothing… Listen, there's nothing more gentle, more self-sacrificial than a nursing mother. There is, there is no softer, kinder image than that. A nursing mother literally, literally is giving her life to another human being. What about us? Are we living in such a way that I, my life is empowering your life? My, I'm giving my life to you. My courage, I'm handing it off to you. My faith, I'm bolstering up your faith with my faith. Are you doing that? Are you anywhere? Is there anywhere in your life where you're doing that? If you are, where, where you are serving, the class, the group, the Bible study, have you, are you creating an environment of vulnerability and safety where people can come like a baby and they just need to be fed for a little bit? Because today was really, really hard. And my life is really hard, and I don't know what I'm doing. At my job, I don't know what I'm doing. And with my aging parents, I don't know what I'm doing. And with my toddler, I really don't know what I'm doing. And can I just come to this place, this place where I'm not going to be beaten up, but I'm just going to be loved and poured into? Notice verse 6. Notice that Paul, even Paul, he doesn't play the authority card. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. Flexing your power is not service. In 1 Timothy, Paul says that pastors must be gentle and not argumentative. If I, said, if I said, are you praying for your pastors? Are you praying against sin in their lives? You might, you might be praying that we don't fall into sexual sin because that's the one we hear about a lot and see. But let me ask you, would you just please pray for us that we do not fall into the sin of quarrelsome authoritarianism? Would you pray for us that that doesn't happen? Number four, serving causes us to grow in the grace of encouragement. Serving causes us to grow in the grace of encouragement. It is by God's grace that we can encourage anyone, isn't it? We have the encourager inside of us. The paraclete allows us to paracaleo. 
You are witnesses. Verse 10, you are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into His own kingdom and glory. First, Paul likens himself and Silas to a mother, now to a father. Verse 11, like a father with his children. Notice in verse 10, he says, look at our conduct. First, 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 always, always look at my conduct. Servants of Christ, ministers of Christ, listen to me. First thing is, can someone look at your conduct? How holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct. Because listen, here's what we all know. If, it, if, if we aren't passing that, ain't nobody listening to us, right? That's just how it is. Why do I listen to you, Sunday school teacher? I, I see you on Facebook. I saw the picture. I saw the post. I see how you argue with everybody, and now you're going to tell me to love Jesus and be kind. That doesn't work, does it? Look, we're not talking about perfection here. We're not saying everybody who serves Jesus has to be perfect. Paul was not perfect. He says, the Lord gave me a, a, a thorn in the flesh because I'm very conceited. <laughs> That's what he said. To keep me out, away from the sin of conceit. Yeah. We're not perfect, but we strive to live holy, righteous, blameless lives from our identity in Christ so that we can serve with integrity. Then, verse 12, we start talking. We exhorted, encouraged, and charged. The words are similar, but they increase in intensity. I told, we told, we might say, I told you, I persuaded you, I insisted. I told you, I told you, walk with the Lord, I, I'm per, and then I tried to persuade you, and then I insisted, you need to start doing this. That's what we do as ministers, as servants. So, Christian, can you, are you able to look at somebody else and say, look at my conduct, look at my walk, imitate me as I imitate Christ? Can you encourage somebody? Are you encouraging somebody? Not from law, not from… This isn't legalism. Look at verse 12 again. Look at verse 12 again. Walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into His own kingdom and glory. Guys, listen, you're already in. You're already in. You're in the kingdom of glory. Amen? Amen. Okay, so this is always the, the, the Christian ethic is always this. Be what you are. The Christian ethic is never become what you are not. That's, not. that's the ethic of every other religion. The ethic of the gospel is act like what you already are. Are you in the kingdom? then live like you're in the kingdom. Are you going to heaven? 
then live like you're going to heaven. Does God love you unconditionally? Then live like you're loved unconditionally and not desperate for love. Be what you are. And then finally, number five, serving causes us to grow in the grace of love for one another. He doesn't use the word love in these, in these last four verses, but I think it's there. Verse 17, look at verse 17. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you online. Ooh, I'm sorry, that's not what it says, is it? To see you face to face. Because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at His coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Notice Paul's love for these saints. Notice his deep desire to see you face to face, to be with them again. Notice also the work of Satan. What is Satan doing in this passage? What is his, what is his, what, what is his strategy? He hinders us from coming together face to face. How, okay, if, if you're watching me at home online, I want to gently, I'm going to try to be gentle, I want to gently say to you, what is hindering you from coming face to face? And I don't know. I honestly don't know what it is. I, I hear, I have people tell me sometimes, my question is, is it something that Satan is using to hinder you? Is fear the work of Satan to hinder us? Is busyness exhaustion, just flat-out laziness, something that Satan is using to hinder us from coming together face to face? And are you fighting against it? Are you standing strong in the Lord against it? Are you doing whatever it takes in your power to be face to face with the church and serve face to face? That is what we are called to, guys. I'm sorry, I can't get, I wish I could. But I can't. Why? Look at, look at, look at this amazing language of how he describes people. For 19, for what is our hope or crown, or, or I'm sorry, hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at His coming, is it not you? Listen, I'm going to tell you something. If you believed that sentence, you'd, you'd be here, you'd be kicking the doors down. One day, 
I am going to stand in front of Christ Jesus at his coming. And we will crown him with many crowns. And Paul is saying that the crowns that we present to Jesus is, are one another. So if you're not one anothering, faith, grace, something's not clicking. But, but it's not just about passing judgment day with Jesus. <laughs> Hope, joy, verse 20, you are our glory and joy. <laughs> Can you say that about the people you go to church with? Do you say that about the women in your small group, the men in your small group? These people are my joy. These people are my hope. These people are my crown. I pray that we can. I pray that that's where the Lord is taking us. We're going to sing All I Have is Christ in just a second. Here's the third verse. Now, Lord, I would be yours alone and live so all might see the strength to follow your commands, the strength to serve, in other words, could never come from me. Oh, Father, use my ransom life, that's grace, in any way you choose, and let my song forever be my only boast is you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, you left heaven and you came to where the people are. You didn't minister to us from a distance. You didn't minister to us through technology. You didn't minister to us only through a book. You had been doing that for a thousand years and it was working, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. There had to be face to face. Father, we have seen your glory in the face of Christ. And now we see your glory in the face of Christians. I want to see those faces. I pray all of us do. I pray we all want to look each other in the eye, cry with those who cry, smile with those who smile, wrap our arms around each other, greet one another, bolster one another, encourage one another, be gentle with one another. Father, would you remind us of all the ways you serve us, of all the ways that your grace pours and pours and pours and never ever runs out, never runs dry. And may that, Jesus, may that be our supply. May that be our strength. All I have is Christ and that's all I need. And all God's people said, Amen.